This is the podcast for April 27, 2012. It's not safe for work. Recorded live from just outside Paul Ryan's Ann Rand Burn Book, it's The Professional Left with Drift Class and Blue Gal. from the Paul Ryan and Rand breakup. I know it's very sad. Wow, I, that just that made my head spin when I read that. I thought that, I really thought that was like an unholy love child of Newt Gingrich and the Onion. Yeah, I thought Where, so too. That it was a that was an Onion story, or because you remember Newt Gingrich saying directly after he had gone on Meet the Press to say. Paul Ryan's budget is right-wing social engineering. Yeah, yeah. The next day saying, anybody who quotes me from what I said yesterday is lying. Yep. Wow. Okay. That's that, And that really was a, a peak, a direct peak inside the conservative brain. Mm-hmm. Really was. Because every time I get into some sort of kerfuffle with a conservative, it, it has to do with, you know, like media matters. That socialist George Soros-funded bunch of commie America-hating pinkos, who have the temerity to quote conservatives in context directly. And you're not allowed to do that because it fucks up our lives. So Paul Ryan, who has based his life on the teachings of Ayn Rand, who used to hand out copies, yes, to his staff. Well, that that might be Rand Paul. I might be mixing up one freak Randite for another. But, you know, who's clearly... I've read Ayn Rand, and, and as, as I've said before, and then I got pubic hair and discovered how the world really works, and it, it became bad science fiction to me. But if, when I was, you know, much, much, much younger, it held its charms. However, this is a, this is a congressman. This is the guy the entire Republican Party is looking to for leadership on the budget. This is a guy who desperately wants higher Vice political President. office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and who has in the past very clearly said that he he believes and bases his ideology on the on the works of Ayn Rand. Well, as you and I have said on this podcast a few times, Ayn Rand is also a friggin' atheist. Yeah, nothing well, wrong with being an atheist, but no. that I wanted to say that there's, not, there's nothing wrong with being an atheist. I don't. I think atheists do a lot better with holding up someone else as their totem than yeah. than Ayn Rand. But I, it amazes me that he got it that. The inconsistency of supporting her was not going to go down well with certain members of his constituency or desired constituency. Yeah. That he actually paid attention to the prevailing winds at one point and said, "Oh, I guess I have to pivot here." Yeah, and by pivot, I mean disavow disavow everything, everything I've said I said for the last, last twenty years. Right, right. For <clears throat> for at least but, the last five years. I mean, I don't think I don't know how long he's had a career, but. Well, I assume he's been reading her since he was 12. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because he has the look, man. <laughs> That's right. He has that look, you know, that, that righteous certainty that if only we get rid of all government and destroy the social safety net and deregulate everything, markets will solve all of our problems. And he, well, he believe, clearly yeah. believes that. Down to his down to his uh, little shoe tops, he absolutely believes that. And well, and now anyone who reminds him of that is slamming him, which is his, we've talked about this before, his yeah. method of operation is go ahead and disavow everything you've said or propose something insane and then when people call you on it they're being mean right and yep. and hurting me and and bat your pretty blue eyes and that's supposed to make people stop oh. talking about what you don't want them to talk about that's beltway bullshit 101 it's yeah. it's and you when- know what even though we're not going to get over this 
anytime soon. The podcast has to get over it. We I have know. to go on and talk but, about but something is. else. We're, just just for you kids out there, listen to listen to your local when, when you hear the Sunday morning shows, especially when you hear someone talking about someone's tone of voice or their shrillness. Yep. Yep. That means you're winning. I because didn't that like means the president's they no, tone. They have no refutation for the facts of your arguments, so they yep. curl up in a ball and, and complain about their fee-fees getting hurt. And, of course, they complain that both sides do it. Because yep. centrism is the last refuge of a beltway. Well, they've even gone so far now. A couple of conservative commenters this week have said, you know, it's really, it's really not appropriate for President Obama to bring up the death of Osama bin Laden in campaign literature. Right. Right. You know, and that's bad Rich. taste. Bad taste means we yeah. can't refute you. Yeah. This you is know. this this these are the people who voted for uh the guy in the flight suit. Right. Right. Who took um credit for shit he mission never did. accomplished, yes. Under the big mission and and literally <laughs> almost literally you know bounced a football, did a little end zone dance, showed off his big fucking cod piece for shit he didn't do. Yeah. Yeah. This these people, of course, they're right in one sense, blue gal. Conservatives, if George Bush had offed Osama bin Laden, they would not talk about it. They would simply point to the four-mile-high mountain they would have made as a monument to him and said, see, see. Well, instead, they did that with 9-11. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the contrast there is pretty stark, but we do need to move on. And I just want to point everyone, because I can't. Run. I could run it at my own blog, I suppose, <laughs> but I can't run this anywhere else. Susan Sarandon wins the Internet this week with her yeah. Funny or Die video, WMD. And that's all I'm going to tell you about it, yep. except, boy, she can sling a dildo. She can. <laughs> that's Susan Sarandon. Sure can sling a dildo. Can. And, and it's for a good cause. It's for a good cause. There's a number of uh, cities around the country this weekend who are engaging in protests against the war on women. And the Susan Sarandon Funny or Die video is in service to that, and you should all go watch it. And that's all. I'll post it at the Facebook page. That's what I'll do. You're welcome, Susan. You're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome, Susan Sarandon. (laughs) Which brings us... Which brings us to Dan... (laughs) How do you say his last name? I believe it's Senor. Senor. Uh-huh. Who's on? Who's on the conference calls for Romney? He's got a job. Thank God. Uh-huh. No, I and Dan Senior, baby. No, no I and Dan Senior. Yeah, he's got. A, thank God, he's got a job. Like Paul Wolfowitz and so many failed neocon losers before him. He's Dan drawing Senior. a paycheck in he's politics. Paycheck. Yeah, he will never. He he can't explain who who he is for some listeners who might not Dan, know because I Dan, I forgot about him until Dan I saw Senior. his face again. I went, oh my God, I know who that guy is. Remember Baghdad Bob. No, the the, uh, the Saddam Hussein's <laughs> spokesman who stood oh, yeah. in front of the yeah. burning city lying about the status of the war. Yes, yes. Even as you know, American attack helicopters are flying past his head, practically saying, "No, everything's fine. Everything's under control. We have no problems here. The troops have been driven back. We are being, being victorious." All right, Dan Senior was that guy for George Bush. He was the guy who stood in front of the cameras and lied about the Iraq war during the time when it was when Iraq was collapsing into the chaos of the um, resistance movement of the uh, uprising, uh, uh, which Dick Cheney made a career lying about and pretending didn't exist. This was he was the guy. He was the man who stood out in front and said, essentially, there is no insurgency. Everything's fine. I have no idea what these crazy liberals are talking about and did it with that kind of 
neoconservative, myopic, beltway smirk that endeared the Bush administration to so many uh, trailer-dwelling assholes because not only did he just lie about it, he lied it. He lied in a way that basically said those those liberal fucks, you know, they they would never have the balls to do what we're doing now. That guy, <clears throat> that guy who was paid a paid mouthpiece for the worst years of the worst administration in modern history. Of course, being a Beltway neoconservative still has a job. Yeah. Because why wouldn't he? And and lest we forget. But he has a job with Romney. This is the yeah. this is what makes it newsworthy. <clears throat> oh yeah. Yep, yep. Is Rachel Maddow pointing out that you know two thirds of Romney's foreign policy team are mm-hmm. Bushites. Yeah. And where else could he go? I yeah. mean that I d I don't fault Romney for having a shallow bowl from which to pick fruit yeah. in that regard. But I guess honestly I guess those World Bank jobs were all taken. <laughs> and and for those of you out there, that's that's a reference to Paul Wolfowitz, who failed, <laughs> who was the architect of the Iraq War, who lied and lied and lied and lied and lied and lied. It was just a gigantic lying machine during the Bush administration. And having fucked up every way you can fuck up, his good friend George Bush got him a job running the World Bank, where he fucked that up. And this is and what we have to just, look forward to. I mean, yeah. this is what, if, if Romney is elected, this... I keep going back to that. What if Romney is elected? Yeah. And we were talking this morning on one of my email threads about Nerd Prom, which is coming up this weekend. Mm-hmm. And I said to, I said on Twitter, and I said to my friends on this email thread, you know, imagine Nerd Prom under Romney, and yeah. Ann Romney's people are phoning to find out if Yakov Smirnoff is still alive. You know, who's going to be the comedian? <laughs> Who's going yeah. to be the comedian? It's it's bad enough that we're going to have the failed foreign policy, but what's going to happen to comedy? Well, actually, well, now, now that Frank Gorshin is dead, <laughs> I don't know. Frank, I think he is. Rich Little, you know, Rich they Little had Rich Little. Remember and they did that? They did because it was Bush so. Had Rich Little, was, was yeah, land. Make up for the fact that Stephen Colbert had slayed everyone. Yeah, can't have uh, that. Can't Never have that been. ever again. Yeah, so <clears> well, it. And I just want to uh, also point out that the Dan Senior moment, if you pardon me coining a phrase, yeah. um, is nothing new. Uh, no. There no. was – during the – I believe the Ford administration, there was a group of neoconservatives who convinced the Ford administration that they should reexamine their, their, their uh, assumptions about Russia, about the Soviet Union. Because the Ford administration generally – their intelligence community was saying they're, they're falling apart, they're, they're bankrupt – they're pumping up propaganda, but their planes don't fly, their tanks don't run. They're just basically collapsing. And that was an inconvenient reality for people who wanted the Cold War to go on forever. So a couple of young, gun, neoconservative douchebags named Dick Cheney and, and, and uh, Don Rumsfeld yep. created Team B. And Team B invented this counterintuitive analysis whereby – you know the Russians have a secret invisible submarine because there is no evidence that Russia has a secret invisible submarine. And that's just how clever those commies are. And they invented this whole fake Russia, this whole fake Soviet Union made out of fake propaganda because they needed an enemy to pour money at 
And well, they need they, they need wing nut welfare. They need they the government spending on military contracts, and which CIA, is what it's all about. The, the ordinary intelligence people are like, but there's no evidence of this. Aha, see, further proof of how clever those communists are because that's just what a communist would and do. And the same argument is being made whenever the Pentagon says we don't need this weapons system. Aha, that Aha. proves you do. Yeah, no, and it's so, – and so Cheney and, and, and Rumsfeld become the core of the Bush administration because there's no lie too great that is not forgiven as long as you make your defense contractor and oil buddies rich yep. and as long as you lie on behalf of the neoconservative cause. You can't ever fuck up big enough to be out of a job in D.C. So they fucked their way to the top. They Peter principled their way right to the vice president's office. And now Dan Cedar is coming right along in that grand tradition. If you think this is new stuff, my friends, this is absolutely standard operating procedure and has been since the 70s. So, And I just want to do a hat tip to a link that we put at our Facebook page this morning Mm -hmm. uh, written by Darkside over at Free Thoughts blog. And the title says it all, Dan Cedar, the man who was too wrong to fail. And that's what these neocons are. They're too wrong to fail, so you know you've got to have them in there. And speaking, <laughs> there are consequences to this election, despite what. Um, oh, see, I'm going to get fried again today. <laughs> this well, no, is the it, problem with doing this on Friday. Is I, I just go, I'm fried. <laughs> After all the drinking we did last night, no, we no. smoked and all the all the uh, heroin we shot. No, no, this, we, despite we a- despite what Chuck Todd and his crew say. Yeah. And, of course, there's no election consequences for those people because they'll not. just have a high-paying job no matter who's president. But well, there are real consequences to elections. There are. Supreme Court being high among the them. highest. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And speaking of wankers who are – I don't know if I want – I asked on the Facebook page this morning if we really <laughs> wanted to wave the red flag of Tom Friedman in front of you, Drift Glass. It's going to be a long podcast if we do that. I'll, I'll, All right. I'll, I'll let you – I'll let you listen to me. <laughs> the sound you hear is <laughs> hanging up. It'll sound a lot like a phone being hung up, Luke Al, but you just go right ahead and keep on talking. Yeah. No, no, I, I will keep it very short because – Well, do you, what's more important to you, Tom Friedman or David Brooks this oh, week? Oh, right. Thank you. <laughs> and this, is how ta- this is how Tantalus died. <laughs> Suspended between piles of gold. <laughs> Too indecisive to move. Oh, Can I, well, David Brooks has a direct bearing on what we're talking. What I want to talk oh, about. Oh, that's the economics Chicago. that we want to talk about today. That's so, true. So you can you can nudge that in there. Yeah. So go ahead and make Tom Friedman its own topic here. Because uh, plus, really plus you're short. giving hat tip to Alex Perine, who we both love. So Alex Perine's a. There are a list of really good writers out there who yep. I who I like and admire, and Alex Perine is definitely one of them. Charlie Pierce, who I whose whose forelock I tug every now and then. <laughs> You know, uh, we both come to we both come to love Charlie Pierce in spite of him stealing your thunder because he he's well, such he has, a good writer. You can't hate you the guy because like he's, he's he, just his, awesome. Yeah, his output yeah. is great. His writing is good. He's always sharp and and funny. Yeah. And, and he's funny. a nice guy. He's a nice guy. So it's hard for me to get mad that he came in and said, "Hey, look, David Brooks, I'll write about him. Hey, look, Michelle, <laughs> I'll write about that." Like. Uh, okay, <laughs> I'll just write about restaurant reviews and video games and shit. How's that? But there's plenty of room for everyone, especially since, hey, I don't get paid. I don't have a – I just do my own thing. So, 
Uh, he does his own thing. He does it in a in a national magazine, and nobody's. And it's hard fired to resent so his paycheck because he does it so well. You know, you can really resent well. David Brooks's paycheck, and you can resent Tom Friedman's paycheck. But yeah. well, and know, the damage they do, and I mean, the damage they do. Yeah, but but Charlie Pierce writes well about things that matter, and you can't. Yeah, he does every day. Him. Yeah. Every day, and he's got a good old. He, he understands Catholicism yeah. and Boston politics in ways that are just just immensely entertaining and very useful. He writes if. Um, Mike Royko has certain inheritors. I think I'm one of the smaller examples of that school of journalism. Charlie Pierce is definitely out of that school. Matt Taibbi is out of that school, as much as I disagree with some of the stuff. He's, and Alex Perrine. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of it, – it's all fact-based and all very good, but it all has a, it has a very sharp message and a very clear perspective. And a writer's that, edge that's that, really, that's really – crisp and, yeah. and very readable. Um, so he wrote about Tom Friedman and you've, yeah. you've been thinking a lot about Tom Friedman. For as the last you seven often years, do. yes. <laughs> and before that, in my own personal civilian life. Um, I will say that um, Tom Friedman is sort of a closed book right now. Tom Friedman, um, the fact that Tom Friedman is a colossally bad writer, first and foremost, just a terrible fucking writer. His, his job is putting words together in a row that millions of people read. As you might have noted, the president's reading list was in the um, Rolling Stone this week, and, and what he reads, uh, among other things, the Washington Post and the New York Times. As James Fallow said, the, the, the Chinese government reads one newspaper to understand America, and that's the New York Times. It's, it's, it is the Amer- – like it or not, it's America's paper of record, and Tom Friedman is sitting right on top of it, crapping out this god-awful, horrible prose, which is inexcusable in and of itself, but his ideas are just so fucking bad. Just awful. He just pulls centrist. It's poorly executed. I think that was yeah. one of the things that Alex Breen was pointing out on his Tumblr blog today was if he yeah, really wants a third party, he could actually do stuff mm-hmm. and and promote ideas that could be implemented that would bring about a third party, like representational uh, voting. voting in yeah. Congress. You know, yeah. you could actually get somewhere with a third party and create one, but that's – He's crapping this out of his head, and he doesn't really want that. Well, he, he wants want, a magic. He wants a president. He wants President Mayor Michael Bloomberg. That's what he wants. Yeah, he wants a wizard. He wants yeah. a magic third-party wizard to show up and do all the things that Tom Friedman thinks should be done. And Tom Friedman is a fucking billionaire who gets to golf with the president of the United States, which is why his that is the only reason any of his incredibly stupid ideas are taken seriously. And the problem is. He he can't be dislodged from this this place in American journalism any more than David Brooks can for reasons that just defeat me. I don't I, I I there's no merit to what they say. There's no competence to what they say. What they say is objectively wrong. It's been objectively wrong for years by any measurable standard. These people should not be in those positions at all, and yet they are. They persist. Therefore, they must be meeting someone's needs. Some rich person or person, some powerful people like what they say enough to protect them from any scrutiny. That is an interesting story. More interestingly to me is how much terror Tom Freeman strikes in the hearts of people I like. Um, yeah, yeah. It's no news to me that that Chuck Todd is never going to say a mean word about Tom Friedman or David Brooks or that David Gregory. O'Donnell has him on. That's the problem. Say boo. That's yeah. the problem. Because. Yeah. If we can agree that centrism is a disaster as an idea, and I pr- think pretty much people like Rachel Maddow and Chris Coming Hayes, to that conclusion verbally all over the place. Yeah. That's, that's it's a just a song catas- of the month, really. It's not just yeah. wrong. It's a lie. It's a yep. big fucking huge lie, which 
as I said, I've been writing about it for seven years. I've written yeah, yeah. close to 2,000 columns that touch on it in some way, 1,000, 1,500 that touch on it in some way or another. And as have lots of other people. This is not a new idea. But they're finally getting around to noticing that people who are centrist are by and large either moral cowards, exactly. objectively stupid. They're, they're, or they have an agenda to move things to the right. Yeah. Or they're conservatives yeah. who are, who are trying to camouflage their conservatism. Yeah. Or they're conservatives who get caught with, you know, fucking the, you know, screwing the pooch one more time. And the only thing they can say to, to cover up the fact that, oh my God, here I am caught one more time. So well, liberals are just as bad. So I get why a, a hack douchebag like David Gregory and all of his merry men say shit like this. What, what interests me immensely is that ta- the, 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 the fear of the Lord of Darkness, whoever the hell is protecting Tom Friedman for the consequences of his own actions, is so terrifying that Rachel Maddow will never say a word about it. Never. Yeah. Chris Hayes will never say a word about it. Maybe he will on Saturday morning. I'll listen and I'll find out. Tom Friedman was on Lawrence O'Donnell's show, and I have seen Lawrence O'Donnell eviscerate people on his show. Empty chair or someone sitting across from him, he has no trouble mounting up that prosecutorial, that Irish yeah. rage, and just and, and really sharpening it to a fine point and unleashing it on people who richly deserve it. Tom, for Tom Friedman, he broke out the cocoa butter, gave him a nice reach around, let him go on his merry way. And that is frightening to me because – to have someone who's that big of a fucking lying hack who's also a bad writer. Remember, Lawrence O'Donnell's also a writer. He wrote for the West Wing. He's a very good writer and a very good analyst. And to let him have Tom Friedman in his sights and sit on his hands and do nothing but praise him and let him move along his merry way. Uh, Andrew Sullivan's the same way. Andrew Sullivan has styled himself as some sort of edgy the, the Beltway establishment won't have anything to do with me because I'm so controversial and I'm so out there. And I've, I've left that whole crazy right-wing shit bag behind. I, you can trust my opinion because I always tell the truth. Bullshit. Andrew, Friedman, uh, Andrew Sullivan has written a few times about Tom Friedman, always praiseworthy. And the only time he's ever written about him, even obliquely being wrong, was when he complimented Matt Taibbi on his prose. He, and, but the article was, whatever you think of Matt Taibbi's facts, his style is certainly very good because Tom Friedman strikes fear into the hearts of lots of people, which is why he gets away with shit. That interests me. I wonder if it's because he sits on the Pulitzer Committee. It's something. It's something like that. Yeah. And and you and I, we do talk about this stuff and we don't just pull this stuff out of thin air, but there is a way that you can sort of reverse engineer what it must be and get it down to two or three or four possibilities. Yeah, yeah. Because there's some there's something protected. They have a force field. Yeah. Nobody says shit about David Brooks on MSNBC. Nobody says says shit about Tom Friedman on MSNBC. And every now and then, Chris Matthews has Andrew Sullivan on it and calls him a genius. Yeah. <laughs> so there is something there. There is some palpable thing that is protecting them from the righteous judgment of history and criticism, even while the people who are criticizing centrism all day long. When an actual centrist walks into their midst, they just shut up and sit on their hands and go, nice day, isn't it? Weather is certainly large. And that's that interests me. When people act that way and, and something else is clearly going on, I find that fascinating. Anyway. That's, that's good. I mean, I, it's a question. It's just yeah. a question. What What is it that's protecting him? And it's 
Turns out it's a pile of money. I mean, the the logical yeah. things are a pile <laughs> of money yeah. and power and connections. Yeah. And you don't want to piss him yeah. off because he's on the Pulitzer Committee and he knows everybody at Davos. And that's protection right there. And they will cut you off. Yep. I want to talk about Marco Rubio for a minute because mm-hmm. he went mm-hmm. campaigning in Pennsylvania with yeah. Romney. And mm-hmm. he said something. One of the MSNBC shows had a clip of him talking to a crowd. And he said, you know, I don't remember growing up my parents ever saying to me, you know why we're not better off? Because those guys over there are doing so well, and we should take what's theirs and use mm-hmm. it for our own purposes. His parents never said that, which is why he's such an awesome person. Yeah. You know, his parents never told him to take from rich people. Right. And that that would somehow make their lives better. They just said work hard and emulate those rich people over there and work hard and be independent Nothing and, wrong with those and things. you'll be able to succeed if you just work like those people do. Nothing wrong with that lesson, however. Well, you and I did a little research. I had you do a little research for me, and I thank you for helping uh-huh. me find this stuff. You're welcome. But Rubio was born in 1971. Yeah, think about that. <laughs> now, now, put yourself in 1971. 1971. Who was president so, again? Nixon. Yeah. <laughs> You know what the top marginal tax rate was in 1971 and for nine years after that? It was 70%. We had – the government had two more Apollo missions after – we sent two more manned space missions into space after 1971. Uh-huh. The next year, we created the Consumer Product Safety Commission. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. You know, government does a lot of stuff, and it does a lot of stuff with money from rich people. Uh-huh. It goes back to what we were talking about a few podcasts ago about racism, maybe many podcasts ago, where you don't have to be racist if the society is being racist for you. Right. If there are, if every black person is on the back of the bus and you have separate drinking fountains, you don't have to use the N-word, no. right? Because no. it's all taken care of for you. That's right. It's all part of the, it's all part of the service. Sir. So, you know, but Marco package. Rubio's parents never had to say, you know, we don't have to take from those rich people because the infrastructure, the space program, product safety, the EPA, roads, all of bridges. these things, yeah. roads, bridges were, it was already being done mm-hmm. by a 70% marginal tax rate. Well, in all those schools, I don't know yeah. which schools he went to, but all those schools that were built in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. The America that Rubio's parents came to mm-hmm. was built on taxed wealth. And if we don't start to get that in this country mm-hmm. and we let people like Rubio just create this myth, yeah. uh, we're in trouble. Well, it, and it, don't it, let that happen. And, and Rubio's America, this is a point that Tom Hartman makes often. Yeah, I, no. I, I don't believe in a 90% tax rate. No, or really even don't. a 70. I, you but, know, that's fine. But, what he points out is that during this golden age of American productivity, in addition to having no competition in the world and, and, yeah, and yeah. cheap oil and cheap labor and all those other cool things that we never talk about because it would screw up the whole idea that all we have to do is pray and live in nuclear families and all of our problems will be solved. But the world Marco Rubio was born into taxed companies yes. in such a way that it made it logical for them to reinvest in their workers Mm -hmm. and in their factories. If you took that profit that was going to come in at the 90% tax rate and plowed it back into the business and bought new equipment and reinvested in your workers, there was a positive incentive to do things like that. 
Once and you I don't started- mind companies taking tax deductions for new no. equipment and retraining American workers no. and building the road that leads to that factory, you know, building a new parking lot for your employees, giving them health insurance. I have no problem with tax deductions for those things or no. engineering the tax code to promote American workers being treated better by their companies. But that, that's when you have a company that's viewed as a renewable resource. Not, I don't believe in, in nationalizing companies. I don't believe them taking away from taking away from their owners. I do not believe in that. I don't believe in seizing private property just because it's profitable. Although there are some industries where, like energy, oil, I think that makes all kinds of sense because it's crazy to have private companies plundering your natural resources for private profit. That being said, it is the responsibility of the government to set the environment in which these transactions take place and the government's job in this case is to create a marketplace for people who treat their companies as renewable community resources who who reward companies by favorable treatment not by driving them out of business not by not by giving them business not by treating them uh unfairly but by rewarding companies that Stay in the community, reinvest in their companies, reinvest in their workers. Those are good corporate citizens. Remember when he used to have words like that? And the people who view their inherited company that their daddy or their granddaddy built up as, as something to be mined for its assets, stripped of its value and wealth, and then left behind so they can go off and live in Florida – well, or that have feel they have the right to just move their jobs to wherever labor is cheapest because we're an international conglomerate. Right. They have the right to do that, but nowhere is it written that the government, the right. community, the tax structure has to support has it. to f- support yeah. that or favor that. If you yeah. want to, if you want to loot the place that your dad built up, fire all the workers so you can take your your dough and leave. You can do that, but the 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 United States doesn't have to reward you for doing that and make it easier. And for we you do. To do that. And, we, and do. we do, and that's the problem. We have slanted this tax system because people with a shitload of money have built it that way, but in a way then, that favors then, plunderers and punishes good local corporate citizens. And I, and I want to point out too about our neighbor, mm-hmm. and me telling you about our 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 next door neighbor. Uh, we have a house next to us that is a rental, mm-hmm. and I talked with the owner of that he of that house. He was out mowing the lawn one day a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. We had a lady living there who had, was a single mom. Um, her son was with her every other week, I think, and uh, she was looking to buy the mm-hmm. house that they were renting to her. And she ultimately moved out because he wouldn't sell it to her because of 15% capital gains. Yeah. Oh, that'll just kill me. That'll just kill me. I can't take it. And not to be critical of him, maybe he's making, maybe that's his only income besides social security, you know, and, and the rent is something that really supplements his income and he's done the math and selling it is not going to meet his needs and I, it's none of my business. But I've noticed this over and over again that 15% to Mitt Romney, he thinks that's a lot. Yeah, he does. And mm-hmm. wealthy people and wealthy companies have whole divisions of their lives set up to not pay taxes. Mm-hmm. And it's really a game to a lot of them that, you know, oh, gosh, if I have to pay 18% instead of 15 oh, that's just going to kill me. Mm-hmm. That's just going to murder me. And we don't have this this sense of 
national citizenship anymore. I've talked about this before. We're citizens of Davos instead of citizens of the United States. There's no uh, national pride. This morning in America bullshit that the Republican Party pushes is just that. Well, patriotism is a button we only push when we want to go invade another country. Yeah. Yeah. Then it becomes really important for all the people, all, the, the fraction of 1% of this country that serves in the military yep. to feel good about that, yeah. which is yeah. – and, and not, to, not to criticize anyone in, in our military family's audience, but you need, you need to understand that that's corporate welfare for the military-industrial complex. Oh, and by the way, if, you, if you're one of those folks out there who really believe that the public sector – should shut the hell up and just do what the private sector does. You know, like, you know, those goddamn teachers, uh, oh, yeah. they, should be, they, should be paid, unions, yeah. they should be paid what the private sector pays. All right. We couldn't afford enough. that. That happens with law schools. Do you well, know what enough. law professors make? They make what a private lawyer would make. They make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year because the colleges and universities that have law schools know that good law professors will simply walk out and go become divorce attorneys instead and make that kind of money. Well, and I would just simply say, if, if that is the case, then every single person in the United States military serving who carries a gun and doesn't work in an office a millionaire. should insist that they get paid what a Blackwater mercenary gets paid. Yep, yep. And that would shut that argument down really fast. Yeah. Because you have to follow orders and you're actually – you're actually answerable to a constitutional officer and not a board of directors looking at the bottom line. And you'd be making six figures yeah. instead of having Easily. to figure out where your kids are going are to live and How living, off of, eat. Yeah. living off the food stamps half the time. You know, yep. that's because that's the reality of our military families is they are extraordinarily stretched. They're extraordinarily put upon and, and they make a pittance compared to the, the service they provide. And that is the model that we're supposed to admire. I admire their service, but that's the model of servitude, not service. That's the model of, of, a, of a slave, of someone who should just be grateful to have a goddamn job. Yeah, right. Well, that is not – that's a choice we make. That's not a culture that we have to live in. That's a, that is a choice we make every time we say that Mitt Romney is a reasonable – his vision of the world is a reasonable alternative. Maybe well, we should go Anyone that. who says that about – you know. They they should just do what the private in what private industry does mm-hmm. has never had to scrape together money to pay for daycare. No. Because when you have to pay when your children can't go to public school yet because they're too young, mm-hmm. it's an arm and a leg <coughs> to get someone to take care of your kid from eight thirty to five thirty. Oh yeah. Well and, and that the the people the working class people I know, the middle class people I know who say things like that, by and large are, don't want to talk about what the real problem is. The real problem is they used to be tradesmen. They used to be laborers. They used to be union guys. They used to make a really good living. Yeah. And for 30 years, supply-side economics, Republican ideology, which they were voting for the whole time, has crushed them, mm-hmm. has stomped them down to the point where the local school teacher who used to make much less than they do now makes more than they do. Mm-hmm. They don't resent the iron heel of capitalism, which has been stomping on their throats for 30 years. They just resent the fact that somebody else is making more money than they do. Mm-hmm. And they're mad at the person who wasn't stupid enough to take the, up the offer of, hey, let's all be freelance employees. Yeah. Hey, let's get rid of unions. That's a good idea. Hey, let's just trust rich people to look out for us. And I'm sure everything will be fine. Yeah, free 30 market. Years later, yeah. 30 years later, they're fucked and they don't have the courage or the guts or the willingness to do a moment of self-reflection to realize, oh – I've been voting to cut my own economic throat for 30 years. Maybe they they would much rather 
take it out on school teachers because school teachers can't fight back and they can't school teachers can't fire you. <laughs> rich people can. I want to talk about Peter Beinert for a minute because he had a rich, rich article at Daily Beast about yeah. Democrats not don't go all anti-Mormon on us, Democrats, because you guys have a big Mormon problem. You Democrats all, have a big Mormon problem. Peter Beinart has a job. <laughs> now, problem number one, Peter Beinart is not bussing tables somewhere or asking people if they want to supersize their fucking lunch. That's the problem. <laughs> well, you're reminding me of a time within the past three weeks. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you remember the scene in Paper Moon? This is an old movie. Oh, man. When they're scamming widows by going to the door with a Bible and saying, your husband bought this Bible for you, yes. and it's got your name on it, it's delivered, we're delivering it, and the husband's dead because they looked him up in the yes. yeah. in the obituaries, and of course yeah. she's heartbroken anyway, and oh my, this is my last gift from my dying husband, thank God. And they knock on, it's during the Depression, they knock on this door, and there's this single mom who's obviously hungry, uh-huh. and... She looks at him and says, my husband spent money on a book. (laughs) (laughs) And I did that to somebody. I feel bad, Uh but I did that to somebody in the grocery store line a couple of weeks ago because they were – I don't know what they were saying, but they were bitching about work. Uh And they were just, oh, and my job this and my job that. Uh And I looked at him. I said, you have a job? And I, I wasn't kidding. I don't want to say to anyone, just be grateful you have a job and take it up the ass from your employer and drop your head down and don't complain because just because you have a job, you should consider yourself lucky. I am not saying that. No. This person was just generically bitching about work, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and I, I feel it. I feel this sense of desperation of you have a job, wow. you know, and I, it, it, she said, yeah, yeah, I should just shut up. I know, I know. There's a lot of people at work. I get it. Yeah. But And she wasn't mad at me or anything, but I felt kind of bad afterwards that I did that to her. Just walking around town recontextualizing people, baby. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it just yeah. – it, 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 it felt bad. It didn't and feel I, good. I, 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 <laughs> and as, we've, as we said earlier in this podcast, I think Charlie Pierce earns every dime he yeah. makes, whatever that might be, and, and should probably be making twice what he makes. I yeah. think if you based on merit and competence and ability alone, which yeah. allegedly is what conservatives want the world to be, a meritocracy, um, but they don't. Yeah. They really don't, because yeah. if you actually started holding rulers up to people and measuring them by an objective standard of performance, uh, the world, the, the, the Sunday shows would look very different than they do now, and Peter, people like Peter Beinart wouldn't have a fucking job. Yeah. Well, his his thing about the Democrats having a problem with Mormonism reminded me of the old Gin Blossom song. I mm-hmm. I remember from the 80s playing this song to my roommate. It was called You Can't Call It Cheatin', She Reminds Me of You. Yeah. And my roommate saying, "Yes, I can. I can call it cheating. <laughs> if you slept with someone that's not me, that's cheating." And we laughed and laughed, but here, you know, Peter Beinart says, individual Mormons should be held no more responsible for the Latter-day Saints Church's anti-gay views than individual Catholics should be held responsible for the Vatican's. 
Oh, yes, they should. Yeah. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> of Fuck course yeah. they should. It depends on whether they reinforce those views in their politics. Uh-huh. Oh, and, and whether they're, they're – I don't care what anybody members. believes privately. I don't – you know, uh, the, the Mormons have uh, attempted to make peace with their – uh, bad racial history Incredible in 19, 1978. Past. They corrected, course corrected, and pivoted and said, "Yes, blacks are human beings." No, and, no, <laughs> no. They all went into all the elders went into a room and God spoke to them. Yeah, okay, and told them, uh, you know that part about uh, blacks being uh, the devil, marked by the devil. Yeah, got that wrong. That's Sorry, <laughs> there was a fucking mistranslation. You know that <laughs> those golden. Uh, Golden nuggets, those golden uh, tablets I gave. It, it was fucking misprint. You know how you know how it could help. Yeah, and then they you know, they, and this idea that Peter Biner is saying basically Ted Kennedy and Mitt Romney are exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's no, they're not. And I want to quote a Mormon reporter on this topic who was responding directly to Peter Be- Peter Beinart's article. Uh-huh. Uh sh- Joanna Brooks said. When Democrats express reticence about voting for a member of a religion overwhelmingly associated in the late 20th century with Republican conservatism, and try electing a Democrat in Utah if you want to know what's going on. That's not anti-Mormonism, is what Uh she said. And she's absolutely right about that. That, you know, if it's not just Mormon, it's being Republican dicks. Mm-hmm. For decades and decades and decades, that is making Democrats think twice about electing a Mormon. Well, and what you said about being an individual Catholic in the church, yeah. yes. First of all, leave. Yeah. You know, well, the, the, it is it is non-mandatory. You are absolutely allowed to leave. But secondly, it makes a big difference whether you, I, in my view anyway, whether you are a, a, a sort of Sunday church going and maybe on holidays – run-of-the-mill American Catholic, or you're a cardinal. If you're an elder in the fucking Mormon church, if you are a powerful member of the church, which Mitt Romney is, I don't know if he's a member, but he certainly has a whole lot of influence in that organization, it matters. What your viewpoints are really do matter. And when you look at the, the corporatism, racism, and conservative priggishness that come out of Mitt Romney's mouth, well, I don't care what church he belongs to. That's who he is. That's who he's fronting for. And voting against that is no more basing your your view on religious bigotry than voting against Jerry Falwell's chosen candidate would be anti-Christian. No, Jerry Falwell was a monster. He was an awful, awful – and he bastardized. He he ruined – he polluted, in my point of view again, genuine Christianity with his hideous, racist, evangelical nonsense. And if you vote against that, you're voting against the underlying political and cultural and racial dynamic that his version of Christianity represents, period. Well, and totally related to that, it's getting back to Paul Ryan. Yeah. Paul Ryan made comments that his proposed budget, which includes massive spending cuts to programs for the poor but not a single tax increase for the rich, was inspired by his Catholic faith. And, a, yeah. and to their credit, I mean, this is where there yeah. is room. To his credit, a whole lot of Catholic priests, a whole lot of Catholic bishops stood up and said, you are full of it, uh-huh. and protested him. He went to Georgetown this week, and they protested, they marched, they marched for the poor, they 
claimed that he is anti-Catholic, that he goes against the teachings of Jesus Christ, that you know, and and made a stink about it. Mm-hmm. So it is possible to, to to not be a dick in relation to your religion. It is. It I'm is. not trying to be. I'm not trying to be uh, sacrilegious here or disrespectful of people of faith at all. No. But the, this this idea that you know, oh, you can't hold these people responsible for what their what their overall church does. You hold them responsible for what they say and what they believe in, and what they say the basis of that belief is, or what that basis of those political views are. If your political view is screw the poor, tax cuts for billionaires, and I'm doing that because of my Catholic faith, fuck your Catholic faith. Well, and just <laughs> if I if I may quote, um, I wasn't ready to. I had this prepared for an entirely different post, but uh, if I can quote Mark Twain. Yeah, you may. Uh, he said, and this is Mark Twain. Uh, he said, in my schoolboy days, I had no aversion to slavery. I was not aware that there was anything wrong about it. No one arraigned it in my hearing. The local paper said nothing against it. The local pulpit taught us that God approved it. Mm. It, 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 that kind of thing. Read the Loving versus uh, Virginia decision. Go look it up. The first words out of it is Almighty God in His wisdom. When you use your faith to masquerade your racism, your sexism, your homophobia, when you're, you, when you're pimping God, when you're using God to tart up your bigotries and your ignorance. I just want to clarify them, one thing, Drift Class. Yep. The law that Loving versus Virginia overturned yes. said God Loving, in his wisdom made races separate, therefore right. people can't get married. Yeah. But that was that was what Virginia, the, Virgi- the high court Virginia, Virginia statute. said, yeah, yeah. God wants us to force Blacks and whites to be different and and disallow them. That's God's will. Go look at the article. Go look at the the Confederacy. Go look at the speeches they made. They always invoked God to justify slavery. They said it was a holy Christian institution. It is those people who do not deserve any respect because they're hiding behind their faith to justify their bigotry and their ignorance. And calling them out on it is the responsibility of good Christians everywhere. Amen. Amen, brother. <laughs> Preach it. And and uh, Chicago was in the news this week. Yeah, it was. You want to talk about that or, it, it, or it, not? It, no, it's, it sort of wraps up everything. There was yeah. a, you know, I, this is the I told you so <laughs> yes. post that I'm in the middle of writing. Um, there's a, a publication called Gaper's Block. I'm just going to read a little bit from it. It says, take, take, uh, because Chicago is, has been on on the road to privatizing everything, privatizing government for a good long time now. And, and Rahm Emanuel, Mayor Rahm, has taken a giant step in that direction. And what and, it, let's before you read the article, explain what he has done. Um, he has essentially uh, created a, a public-private trust, um, a relationship where you can sort of lease off the city's assets, where the city's um, – City He's will calling meet. it an infrastructure bank, isn't he? Yeah, it okay. is. But it is essentially turning to the private sector to um, buy up city assets and bonds and monies to fund government programs. And it's surrender. It's just it it's a surrender to anti-tax mentality. We can't tax when, you anymore, so we're going to sell it to you. We're going to sell you these assets and or, or release them to you for you know eighty-nine yeah. years. 
Um, and in, in, in some case here or some case there, I don't know. That might make sense, but, but that's not what's going on here. Um, and Gaper's block reports that if you take a step back and consider the broad view, this is an astounding progression of events. Over the last 25 years, Chicago's corporate and political leadership has drained off the city's revenues through the creation of TIFs, as tax increment financing districts, as a condition to invest capital in neighborhoods. The whole point of a TIF is that available capital is being withheld until the public provides better incentives for its investment. The billions of dollars, let me underscore that, Chicago ain't broke. Chicago has billions of dollars in its locked up in its TIF districts, but they can't get at it because of the way TIFs are built. The billions of dollars diverted into these funds contribute not only to the budget shortfalls, but amazingly, increased taxes on middle-class taxpayers, as the school districts and other bodies have to raise their tax levy to meet their obligations. At the same time, the city's corporate powerhouses not only withhold investment capital without generous givebacks, but also threaten to leave if their taxes, euphemistically called the business climate, are not satisfactory. The result of the public the result is a public sector starved of revenue, which must then turn to selling off or long-term leasing off its assets. And the, the article concludes investors in infrastructure trusts are not interested in helping communities. We, a community, are leasing the assets. Getting to a place of healthy revenue capable of meeting obligations and investing in long-term projects. To the contrary, the more a community is starved of revenue, the more it'll have to, the more it will have to auction off its assets. The more, uh, the more it has to auction off its assets, the fewer options it has to raise revenue and on and on. And this goes directly against that MSNBC ad that Chris Matthews is on where he says, <laughs> Private industry isn't going to rebuild our roads and bridges that are falling apart. We, the people, have to do it. Yeah. And what Rahm Emanuel and, to a certain extent, Barack Obama are saying, because he wants to do this too. Yes, he does. Is have this national infrastructure bank where it's an investment. Right. And you're actually buying, I don't know, bonds. I don't know how he's yep. going to set this up, bonds, so that you mm-hmm. get a return on your investment for building roads and bridges. And you're lending the government money, which you can probably, as a bank, get for zero percent from yeah. the Fed, right? Yeah, free money. <sighs> and 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 you know, as a taxpayer, I want good roads so I can travel on good roads. Right. I don't need a ten percent return on my investment. No. I just want good roads so I can get where I'm going, and I want good schools because I want good schools. I don't this have to. This dovetails into something I think um, um, David Brooks said today. Yes, yes he did. <laughs> well, uh, I just want to I just want to uh, tail off of that, and because yeah. this is a future post, I will write. Uh, probably today or tomorrow, is if you read Drift Class, you will note that about four years ago or five years ago or three years ago, I wrote that this was the plan all along under Mayor Daly. Mayor Daly's plan, I swear to you, was to was to was to outsource every city service, every city uh, every city asset, mm-hmm. and have it just him and fifty contract analysts on the fifth floor of City Hall. They would run the city like a corporation. That was the plan from the fucking beginning. And Always we saw that with the, with the parking meters. I mean, that sold off, sold off the sold parking off, meters. Yep. Sold off the for parking nothing. meters, for sold nothing. the Skyway, tried to sell off the water assets, tried to sell off the water system. And um, people freaked. Yeah, people said, well, you're doing what? The one asset Chicago has that is really irreproducible almost anywhere else on Earth is it sits at the bottom of one of the largest sources of fresh water on Earth. It has an ancient water system that's a century old, but, you know, or more. And it falls apart occasionally, and you end up with flooding. But the problem is solvable by doing what you're supposed to do, which is 
as you build these assets up, you put a plan in place to replace them 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. And you don't view that as some sort of freakish government overreach. It's the cost of keeping a decent water system. The cost of decent roads, the cost of decent schools are X. And you factor that into your budget. If you don't, ha- if you're not going to do that, then don't build up this Cadillac system you can't afford. Yeah. And that's what Daly did. He built up this giant city full of lovely amenities for all those rich people that he coaxed back from the suburbs, built it up in such a way that you could have essentially an entirely different rich community living inside the city, gated off from everybody else. They were catered to. They had their schools done correctly. Their charters were done. They had cul-de-sacs. They had all the amenities downtown were built for them. And it cost too much. To maintain that was a cost a ludicrous amount of money. And rather than scaling down expectations or coming up, with, coming up with a different approach to dealing with that huge investment, Daly just sold off the parking meters to prop up his administration for one more year so he could get out of town and be a legend and go off and, and make a jillion dollars working for law firms. But that the money – this is something that people forget. The money <laughs> that was that came from the sale of the parking – or the long-term lease of the parking meters, first of all, it was leased – the deal was brokered by like his nephew. So there's money there. It was leased to, I, to Chase Bank, I think. I'm not sure if it's Chase or another large bank and Dubai. Mm. So it's, again, it's like the worst capitalists in the world sucking on that teat. And I'm sure yeah. Goldman Sachs was in there somewhere. But most importantly, that money was supposed to last for 40 years. It was and it lasted for one. It, it was, it was gone. It, it was there long enough to prop up his last hurrah. Of one old man's last hurrah. Now That's the city's still the city. broke. Now the city's broke. All the money that TIFs were supposed to get are locked up in the TIF funds. They could, they, they could get to them, but they have to actually have to change the law to get out that money. So the whole idea is it's it's right out of uh, – it's a wonderful life. Mm-hmm. You know, the run of the bank, Potter's not selling. Potter's buying. Mm-hmm. If you can – this is disaster capitalism on a very small municipal scale. If we can – if we can – Bankrupt communities, we can buy up their assets for pennies on the dollar, and that's the fucking plan. That's it's not plan. an accident. And you that's see that happening in Michigan with the, with the <laughs> city councils, and yeah. they're going after the African American ones first, and you know, and, and just taking them over. And pretend pretend that the real insult is pretending this is a virtue. Yeah, yeah. But this is a good thing. That, that letting corporations directly govern – because when corporations run the government, there's a name for that. It's called fascism. Yep. It's called you know, oligarchy when, and fascism. But Chase Bank has its own army. That's called fascism. Speaking of apologists for the establishment and fascism, yes, David Brooks has a, has a wonderful column today um, on how government should behave and why government uh, – why is government so fucked up and slow, Blue Gal? Because it's not more like a business? It's not more like a business. What government should be doing is taking risks and experimenting. Because the rest of the world, business community, they take lots of risks and they invest and they try to like Solyndra? Yeah, like Solyndra. (laughs) Oh, wait, 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 what? (laughs) Or Planned Parenthood. Oh. And I just read this. I just, I just, again, why isn't someone at the New York Times just taking David Brooks out for his farewell lunch and telling him over a nice ham sandwich that you're fired? Yeah. David, dude, the, let me explain this to you. The reason – there's a lot of reasons for aversion to risk in government, one being that you're playing with people's lives. Yeah. As I wrote this morning, if David Brooks fucks up over and over again, the only thing that happens to him is they book him in a TED Talk. 
and he can't get on Meet the Press in person. So his friend David Gregory has to read his column verbatim instead of being him being there live. That's the only consequence of David Brooks being horribly fucking wrong yep. over and over again. Yep. But if you're dealing with children, if you're dealing with the homeless, if you're dealing with people who are hungry. Well, if seniors. You're dealing, if you're senior dealing – they're not all bad, badly <laughs> off. You know what? No, what? but if you're dealing with real people, yeah, and the real the real life problems of real people, and let's let's remember that Social Security is an incredibly efficient system. Yes, and it works really well, and the and the cost for every dollar in Social Security is ludicrously low, yeah, um, compared to anything going on in the private sector. But when you're dealing with real people, and you're already have seen your budget slashed every year for the last twelve years, you're kind of risk averse. Because if you're a decent public servant, you really don't want to gamble with people's lives. You really don't want to try to take risks. But I will tell you, the government does take risks and do and try new things on a very small scale a lot of the time. But they're very slow in doing so, and they do it very quietly. Why do they do it sort of incrementally and slowly? Because of Solyndra. Yeah. Because, yeah. Mr. Brooks, your party has made a cottage industry of stomping the shit out of anybody who tries anything ever – that isn't doesn't involve throwing money at rich people or invading countries or making sure those social security checks get out on time. Anything anytime the government tries anything but that, the conservatives go ballistic yep. even if you have to invent Fox News shit is still to talking about it and never will stop. And no. it's about government's evil, government's wrong, and government can't do anything. And even when you have to make shit up to be mad about, like Acorn, like Planned Parenthood, like Van Jones. Like, like the Department of Agriculture, even when you have to pull shit out of your ass to be mad about it, to prove that the, the, the government's just a big socialist fraud, your party and movement, Mr. Brooks, has spent 30 years convincing every conservative in America that the government is a socialist fraud being perpetrated on the good citizens of America and that everyone who works for the government is a lying, thieving prick who would steal the pennies off a dead man's eyes. And then you want to turn around and say, you know what the government should do? They should take tax money and, and try risky things. Gamble with it. Try stuff. Try new stuff. See what works. And I'm happy to go along with that program, Mr. Brooks. I'm totally happy. I'm totally down with that idea. I think it's a genuinely good idea. All you have to do is get rid of every fucking conservative in this country, and I'm sure Shut it down work. Fox News. Absolutely. And then, of course, the problem would be that David Brooks would be out of a job. Yes. So that's never going to happen either. So, yeah, that's David Brooks's contribution to the conversation today. Government should be more like a business. Oh, and by the way, the stimulus failed. <laughs> or, or maybe it didn't. I don't know if it did or not because it's, it's a big complicated. complicated. It's complicated. No one knows anything about stuff that's complicated because it's too difficult to predict, which if you go read my post today or go read the post from two years ago, you know it was a lie. Yeah. David well, Brooks believes the stimulus failed because he can't, he can't have liberals be right about everything. Or anything. So he got yeah. the Iraq war wrong. So liberals need to have gotten something else equally large wrong. So he just asserts that the stimulus faced, failed. Stimulus failed. And that, therefore he can say, look, maybe I got the Iraq war wrong, but you got the stimulus wrong. Everybody gets everything wrong sometimes. We can, prove that you got the, we can prove you got the Iraq war wrong. Yeah, well, I can't prove well, you got that wrong because it's complicated. It's complicated. It's big. I'm still looking for the, you know, <laughs> Sean Hattie's still looking for those WMDs. He'll find them one He'll day. He'll find them eventually, and then I'll be right. Hey. Yeah. Or as, um, as, as a, as <laughs> an elderly woman I greatly respected once said, shaking her head, your people. <laughs> your people, David Brooks. Your people. <laughs> anyway. 
We love our listeners. Thank you for being with us this weekend. Uh, you can listen to our podcast for free at our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com. At our Facebook page, we have like 650 likes on Facebook. Thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. I'm Francis Langham on Facebook. We're on iTunes, and we have a fabulous app available at the iTunes store, Professional Left. And we're on the amazing Stitcher Radio, and we are on Netroots Radio from 6 to 7 Pacific, 9 to 10 Eastern at netrootsradio.blogspot.com on Saturday nights. We want to thank everyone who contributes to our podcast, either automatically every month or on one-time contributions. And we got a one-time contribution drift class this week from Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. And we want to read this letter. This is from a listener in Madison. And her address is in Madison. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Dear Blue Gal and Drift Glass, I discovered your great podcast several weeks ago while reading my daily Crooks and Liars email. I'm so glad I did. And we love Crooks and Liars, too. But please accept this small donation to recognize your hard work. I wish I could send more, but our giving has been stretched thin trying to support all the efforts in Wisconsin to recall our lying, criminal, douchebag, Governor Scott Walker and his fellow Cokehor Republican minions who are doing the bidding of Alec rather than representing the citizens of the state. You know, I wish our listeners wouldn't sugarcoat it. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Tell come us how on. you really feel and how we really feel, too. Maybe if your tone weren't so shrill, <laughs> I would listen to you. Listen to the tone of this letter. <laughs> yes, that's the problem. It's your tone. It's your vituperative tone. That's Very vituperative the there. You silly fucker. That's <laughs> so anyway, proceed. Hopefully we will be successful in these efforts on June 5th. Optimism will return. Yeah. And I'll be able to send another contribution. Well, we appreciate your contribution. Thank you so much. Thank you again for all you do. P.S. I hate exercise, except on Saturdays when I listen to your podcast while walking. The time goes by so fast. I can only imagine what great shape my bleeding heart and liberal ass could be in if I was able to listen to the professional left podcast every day. I may have to download some vintage editions. (laughs) They're all good. They're all gold. Really, they're all gold. Oh, we're so grateful to you. Thank you so much. And we wish you very, very well in Madison and throughout Wisconsin. Yes. Go for it. Absolutely. There is a PayPal button on our website, or you can mail us a letter and or contribution at our P.O. Box, which is P.O. Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 62791. We have every week an Internet kitty that we post to our website and our Facebook page. And if you send us an, a picture of your Internet kitty, they will go. We, we don't call it a waiting list. We call it no. a line of succession. Mm-hmm. And just make sure when you do that that the subject line of your email is Internet Kitty so they don't get lost in the mail. Mm-hmm. But send us your Internet Kitties. We'd love to, to hear from you and to see your Internet Kitty and put them in the line of succession. This week, our Internet Kitty is Al. And Al is snuggling in this picture with his canine friend, Gracie. And they like to snuggle, and it's already up at our Facebook page. I'll be putting it up at the website in a couple of hours. Uh, feel free to write us. We also have an email address, proleftpodcast at gmail.com, or we also have our P.O. Box, which is at our website. Be aware that if you write us at either address, we reserve the right to read your email on the air unless you say otherwise. And we'd also like to – I'd like to point out that if you'd like to see – the professional left on the Sunday morning talk shows. Oh yeah. <laughs> we, we, 
We finally figured out what that costs. Yeah, we did. Yeah. We talked yeah. to some people about that. Yeah. And the and agents it's a matter, it's that money. get you. It's just it's money. money. It, the agents that get you on, I mean, you've got to have a book. And, I mean, the agents don't just take anybody. But it's five grand a month to have the kind of agent that will get you on the Sunday shows. Five yeah. grand a month. So all I need is someone to. There's no way we have have ever, ever made. Oh my gosh. No. Yeah. That's so far out of orbit. No, but it it really is. It's, there is a, I'm sure there's lots of other reasons, but, um, if you want to get into, if you want to sit at that table. Yeah. Um, you have to stitch together a book. You're not a U.S. senator. Yeah. Yeah. And as we know, um, from, Many previous examples by many right-wing lunatics. Your book can be a piece of crap that you get regnery press to publish, but it's if you have something pressed between two covers, you can hold up in front of you and say, "I wrote this book," and five grand a month every month for the yeah. next three years, you can get on television. Well, Michelle Malkin got simple. on ABC this week, it's much to simple. the chagrin of everyone. I think that really had an impact on. Uh, on ABC because they got a lot of very angry emails from people saying, I will not watch your show anymore if it's so obvious that you are whoring out a seat at that table to whoever pays for it. Oh, and, and it's, this is just, this is just the secular beltway version of papal indulgences. Yeah, yeah. How do I get out of hell? How, how can I save my immortal soul? Oh, it'll cost you this amount of money. And we want to make to- sure we rem- remind everyone about our $10,000 bet with Mitt Romney. Yes. Because- Please, we <laughs> Because we're so sure of this. We predict, and actually this is your prediction, Dirk. Yes, it is. June That's 1st, right. is that what we're betting on? June 1st? Or do you want By to July June 1st. 1st. By June yeah. 1st, that Newt Gingrich will uh, be look, on the Sunday shows. Yes. As, yeah, a, look, as an election analyst, right? Yeah. We have, we have a dinner. We have a, a nice meal at a nice restaurant on this bet because it's you know there's a lot of hue and cry about new king which has burned his ties with fox news new king is over and <clears throat> his career is at an end oh my god farewell new Gingrich. your book tour that turned into a presidential race and your organization uh, screwing america's future to make newt richer and give my wife jewelry or whatever it's called um is running out of money you're bankrupt and your career is over to which i say oh that's such bullshit yeah um Within a few weeks after announcing his suspension, formally announcing his suspension. He will suspend his campaign so he can keep raising money like everybody his, else. Yeah. His very dear, close, personal friend, David Gregory, will have him back on the air because that's what David Gregory does. If you noticed, when you fuck up on television, yeah. you have to go into the penalty box as Mark Halpern had to do. when he. If you're in, if you're in the club, if you're out of the club, you're gone forever. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but if you're in the club as Gingrich is and as Halpern is, it doesn't matter how badly you fuck up. It doesn't matter what racist – tripe you troll in if you you stay a month in the penalty box and then david gregory brushes you off yep. and wipes your boo-boo face off and gives you a little kiss on your head puts you across the table from him at, at yeah. meet the now, press let's see what new king really thinks about you know who who should who should Mitt romney pick for his who better to ask than newt gingrich yes and he who, will rehabilitate romney your reputation. should run as a vice president <clears throat> he will rehabilitate your reputation yeah. for five thousand dollars a month or whatever it costs to get gingrich on that show but that that's that's the price. It's it's that fucking simple. It's a rigged game. Gingrich knows it's a rigged game. He knows he can piss away as much money and as much of his reputation, such as it is, as he likes. Yeah. That, that he can always go back to the headwater, and David Gregory will always prop him back up again because he's good for gratings. I have some free advice for David Gregory too. Uh-huh. Make sure that Newt Gingrich's check clears before you yeah. have him on. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Thank you, Blue Cow. Yeah, that's apparently that's a problem. Make sure so, it's drawn on his wife's account or else it'll problem. <laughs> so Drift Glass, how are the Internet Kitties doing this week? Well, the Internet Kitties want to miss Newt Gingrich, but he won't go away. Let's think about living. Let's think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the bopping and the loving, loving, dubbing. Let's forget about the whining and the crying and the shooting and the dying and the fellow with a switchblade knife. Let's think about living. Let's think about life. This podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons license. Copyright 2012. Drift Class Blue Gal Podcast.